0: All right, we're here, we're back. I oh, my got my boy RJ on here tonight. You know, we're over in What's Skype going right on? now. My dog's over in Ottawa. Uh, we're over here in Denmark. Um, my boy RJ and I go way back, you know, back to we do the days when we were training for the <laughs> down, in, down in Miami for Fit Speed. Um, eight hours
1: eight hours a day, bro, grinding, getting it in. Always together, doing some all dumb day. stuff, having a lot of fun. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, we both both went our different ways for the league. Um, after that, we we kind of met back up in Miami. Ended up living together for another three months back in Miami, training together. Um, and yeah. then my boy's been taking off, you know, been doing his thing up in Canada. So RJ, give us give us a little background, bro.
1: Well, first off, I just want to say appreciate y'all having me on. You know, I'm glad to be out here, just talk, chop it up with y'all. But uh, let's see, I'll, I'll take it back to, so we'll go back early as high school. You know, I went to I went to Rondo High School, and that's in Odenton, Maryland. So uh, it's kind of where I, that's where I grew up. Uh, my parents are military, so I was born in Germany. But uh, like I said, military family kind of bounced around a lot. So then I came to Maryland, and I grew up in Maryland. And uh, like I said, I played high school basketball, football always thought I was going to be a basketball player. I just knew I was going to be a, you know, an extra LeBron, like every yeah, other boy, young black like, kid. That, I was a hooper, yo, hooper at heart, bro. But, uh, you know, I started getting a couple calls from from some colleges, you know, D1AA colleges, D2 schools were look interested in my game because uh, in high school I, I played at a no huddle spread offense. So yeah. I was getting the ball a lot. You know, I was, I was breaking Maryland state records. You know, I uh, – I had 20 catches in one game in high school. I had 300 receiving yards in one game in high school. So I was setting some some crazy state records, but uh, the big D1 offers never really came my way. The biggest offer I had came from probably, I would say, like James Madison University, which is D1AA. And I took a couple official visits, and I actually ended up committing to the University of New Hampshire which is also in the CAA, you know, another school, actually rivals with James Madison. Uh, UNH kind of offered something similar to what I was doing in high school. They had a spread, no huddle team. So I just felt comfortable with going to UNH. And uh, so that's why I made that move. I graduated high school in 2010, enrolled right away at UNH, and spent the next four and a half years of my life up there at UNH, bro. Hey, look
2: what was the reason you weren't really getting much love at the at the top, the D one
1: programs, and that kind of light a fire underneath you, or what? Yeah, I, I was my biggest not even still to this day when people ask that my straight line speed. I just did not have, <laughs> I did not have straight line speed. I I don't know what it is like. I can in the weight room, I I I can monster under the squat, like my legs are super strong, but running straight, I just. I just can't get, I can't master that. So teams, D1 teams were kind of, they were, they, sh- they shied away from me just because of that speed factor. And also in high school, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't fully developed. I was only about 5'10", 5'11", maybe like 160 pounds soaking wet. So to be a small guy and not be fast, explosive, just turned teams away from me. So, I mean, living, you learn. I accepted it. Still, still having a chance to play. And live out my dreams, so it just took a different path. That put you a chip, a chip on your shoulder going into college, right? Oh, 1,000%. You know, I just feel like every season I had something to prove. You know, I just had to show all the Division One schools, like, okay, you guys passed up on me. You know, University of Maryland, they didn't really come at me with an offer, and they're right there in my backyard. And I'm just, you know, just going out there playing, just like with a huge chip on my shoulder, just knew I had a lot to prove to people and u n h is pretty pretty far from home, isn't it? um yeah, it was it was about eight and a half hours nine hour drive from home, so it was kind of good it helped me it helped me grow up quick, you know it wasn't one of those things like being at home if I did go to Maryland, you know, I'm thirty minutes from home, so I could shoot back home every weekend, you know what I mean, thirty minutes away, I could drive home, I'd have my car up there, you know, going to New Hampshire. I was literally on my own. You know what I mean? Things got things got rough. You know, I couldn't just hop up and run home or book a flight home. It wasn't that simple. I kind of had to grow up quick and, you know, learn to deal with my own problems out of state on my own. So that kind of, it was good for me. It was good. It was a culture shock, something new, and being on my own for the first time, it really it really helped me mature quickly.
2: How did you handle that? You know, what were some uh, ways that you, uh, you grew up and handled that culture shock? I mean, from Maryland to New Hampshire. You know, that's that's different.
1: Yeah, no, nah, that's way different. But uh I mean I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say it was the easiest, smoothest transition. You know, what I mean, like just like any college young athlete, you know, transitioning, going out to your own, you know, there was some hardships, you know. I was I was struggling acad- struggling academically my first semester. Um, uh, my GPA slipped. I mean it wouldn't even slip. I started off, I know whatever you start off with, but I was at a one point eight quit in Damn. my first semester. One point eight I got the no academic boy, go to class. Um, no class, bro. I was on my own. Nobody telling me what to do. My parents not coming in, knocking on my door, telling me <laughs> to go to school. I'm like, you know what? I am not going to class today. And it, before I know it, it became a routine. And, you know, I'm showing up to two, three classes a semester. And my, my grades reflected that. So, uh, you know, my coach came in. He told me, he said, look, you're a great football player. But if you don't get your grades up, you won't be here that long. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, I can't blow an opportunity like this. You know, I might not be at the D1 school, you know, playing big time football, but I am getting my education for free. You know what I mean? They're paying for this. So there's no point in me, you know, letting this go to waste. So after my first year, I kind of, you know, I kind of got my head on straight and I came back my red shirt freshman year or my sophomore year. And that's when I started playing. And then that's when things started to to click for me a little bit. You know, I was starting to play more on the football field. And I was kind of having some expectations on me, so then I started to use that and uh, get back in the classroom more and pit my pit my GPA back up. What is
0: um? So I mean, you went through the, pretty much the, the typical freshman struggle. You know, we all go in and think we're big dogs. You know, we don't have anybody telling us what it's to sure. do, so we're, we're skipping sure. class and all that stuff. So when you when you got in the, on the field, what did what changed the most?
1: Um. I mean, to be honest, you know, that first, like that red shirt year, when you just sit back and you watch, like like you said, you think you're the big dog, you think you're top dog, but that's rarely the case. I mean, there's some kids that can come out and do that, but the biggest transition I'll say is that playbook. I was not ready for to, to learn that playbook my first year. So it was good that my coach sat me down, red shirted me, and, uh, then I got to get in the playbook, get to learn the speed of the game, got to watch for an entire season. And then when I came out my redshirt freshman year, just having that whole year of experience under my belt, I came out my redshirt freshman year and I just kind of was able to take off a little bit. You know, I had some success. I was playing with a – I played behind – a, I played with a couple of guys who were seniors. So I had some guys out there on the field with me who, who's been around for four years, you know, who knew the ropes. So they just took me under their wing like, you know, little bro. And they were just showing me the ropes, telling me how to do this, how I could, you know, make the game easier for myself. And having that kind of experience and having that veteran leadership as a freshman, it, it kind of it helped out a lot. You know, there's some situations where, you know, shirt freshmen, they're expected to take on that leadership role. I didn't have to do that. I was able to sit back and just, you know, ride the coattails of the seniors. And that helped me to, like, really ease my way into it. And then gradually, you know, by the time my sophomore year came around, then you know the seniors had left and it was time for me to kind of start stepping into that that leadership role and then sophomore year you know i was able to become an all-american and then my next year junior year, the expectations are even higher you know i'm going into my junior year, you know preseason all-american preseason all-conference things like that and i was able to to capitalize stay healthy we had a great team and you know i was able to come out the end of my junior year, another all-american season You know, and then going into my seniors, the standard was just set. And, you know, preseason, everything, All-American, All-Conference. And my goal was more not individual-based. I was trying to lead the team to a national championship. You know, it wasn't about me no more. It was about the team. And um, we had a good year. You know, we, we ended up being number one in the country. We were ranked number one in the FCS that year. You know, we had our first ever home playoff game at the University of New Hampshire. It was the first time we made it to the national semifinals, you know, so we were we had a good run going my senior year. We actually ended up losing in the national semifinal game. It was a home game, packed game, sellout. Uh, We lost to Illinois State, but just that run that we were able to go on my senior year. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was just it was something really special. And it all started back, you know, my freshman year being humbled, having to sit down and watch and learn the ropes and then eventually taking those steps year by year to, you know, become the guy and the leader for that team.
2: Yeah, let me take you back a little bit because obviously you had a great career. You balled out. You talked about the Jerry Rice. who broke a couple of his records. Um, now, I did, yeah. When uh, you were balling out, you are getting the preseason All-Americans, you are getting All-Americans, you know, when he when he gets to the top, it's kind of hard to stay there. You know, people lose focus. How did you keep
1: yourself um Um, for me, I would say it was just, I felt that I owed that to the younger guys and to the team, because like I said, when I got there, I had those older guys to take me under their wing. So I felt like it was my time to, you know, be that leader and have those young guys looking up to me. You know what I mean? I didn't want to let those guys down. I wanted to set a standard that the guys before me set, and I wanted to set that standard and pass it on. So I knew I couldn't go out there and slack off, you know, let my grades slip. I didn't want to be a negative role model. I wanted to be a positive role model to the young guys coming in, you know, keep that UNH legacy going. Giving back. Yeah, a thousand percent.
0: So, have you, have you looked at all to see if your records
1: are still up there? Uh, honestly, no, I haven't. But I know that, I know everybody knows Cooper Cup from, yeah. where do you go? Illinois. Uh, I, I forgot where he went. Cooper Cup, though, he played with the Rams now. I know he was balling. He came out with like. A, the hundred yard uh 100 catches his his freshman year and i ended up breaking jerry rice's record with 310 catches and i think he had 100 or something his his freshman year so i I'd imagine if he kept that pace up he might have got mine but i'm not sure though i didn't even look into it i know well, i had it crazy, for a couple of years though so i'll take that
0: yeah you you broke jerry rice's record you know I and mean, that's a that's, that's a big thing you know what i'm big saying big like,
1: you feel me? Like I broke Jay Rice's record, bro. You feel me? Reception record.
0: So then yeah, after college then you you decide that you wanna you wanna pursue the NFL.
1: What what was that process like? That's what me and my guy Dez linked up right there, right after college. <laughs> um so uh right after college, um I only did a half a semester my last year of college and that second semester I was able I was able to already get my degree so i went down to florida to train i had an agent my agent hooked me up with a dope spot called fit speed down in uh miami florida so that's where i went and trained at for about two how long have we you down there there's three and a half four months maybe we were down like there. That, yeah i know
0: we got down there yeah. in the january and left in march
1: yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah around then three three months yeah. So we was down there grinding every single day, just putting that work in every day. I'm talking about we would get to the facility. We were there seven AM and mm-hmm. we were there till what three? Something in the afternoon? We yeah, we, went late, work. we left like midday
0: and then went back. We only left like an hour though. We went back yeah, to wanted to go play some PlayStation
1: and get get a game. Man, get like... a game, man. Maybe a nap, whatever. You feel me? Sunday we, we went we there, we nap. Nap we to eat. We ain't never nap. We eating lunch. <laughs> yeah, right. It had to get the lunch, the meal prep, but uh, yeah, that was every day for three months, just training. Um, I was had an opportunity to play in an all-star game. Um, it was the Medal of Honor Bowl down in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. So I played in that all-star game. Um, I had a couple catches in the game, uh, so I got some good feel. Hey, Princess, I have a daughter now. I don't know if I told you guys. I have a little girl now. also should tell you all that. She's uh, almost two. She's almost two. She'll be two in September.
0: Fully grown, so that's it, who y'all hear. Talking.
1: Walking, talking. So that, that's who y'all hear in the background. All right. But, so. Um, she showed sure do love, so Daddy. Daddy. I know that. You hear that? <laughs> Go play with mommy, please, princess. Go play with mommy. Um. So yeah, like I said, I was playing in the All Star game, and then after the All Star game, it came dra- It came closer to the draft. And, you know, there was speculation, like, all right, you know, I, if I run well, if I run well, I might be a late-round draft pick, you know. And at my pro day, I did actually run well. I ran a, my, <laughs> I came in with Dez and everybody first day. I think I ran, like, a 4.7, 4.8. It was slow. It was very slow. It was bad. It was bad. But at my pro day, I ended up running a 4.49 and a 4.53. So, like, that was, like, huge for me, huge, like – 4-5-3 four, 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 to a lot of other receivers. It's like, eh, but to me that was like a gigantic step. So I kind of proved, you know, the doubters wrong. Same thing that happened in high school. You know, everybody said I was too slow, so I had to go to a smaller college. Now coming out of college, people still saying I'm too slow. I go out, I, I run a decent time, and it's like, all right. So now that I proved everybody wrong. Now that I get an opportunity to get drafted. Um, draft day comes. You know, obviously, I knew I wasn't going day one or two. Those are like top dogs. But I was like, there's a really good chance that I can get drafted on day three. So I'm watching the entire draft day three. Day three draft is the longest. It's eight hours. It's so long, so long. And I'm watching the entire draft. And it got to that last, it got to the seventh round. Um, I believe it was the Rams. The Rams called me in the seventh round. My phone rang. I got super excited. I'm like, you know, here's my opportunity. Um, one of the personnel directors with the Rams said, yeah, we have two picks. We're going to take you in one of our two picks. And the Rams pick came up. They had two picks up in the seventh round. Rams pick came up. They took a wide receiver. They took someone else, not a, not a receiver. And I was kind of, you know, I was like, ah, but I know they have another pick. So two picks later, the Rams were back on the board. And I'm like, here it is. Here's their second pick. They're going to take me. And they took another wide receiver. And I was just, I was devastated, man. Devastated. You know, 15 more picks went by. My name didn't get called. It was the end of the draft. And, you know, like lot of the other dudes out there who went undrafted, you know, I was hurt. You know, I cried. You know, I was with my family. And I was just, I was super hurt. But I didn't even have time to, you know, to soak for too long. Because before I knew it, I had five or six teams calling me, offering me uh, undrafted free agent contracts. So I was on the phone with my agent. I was on the phone with these teams, calling, quick back and forth. And then my agent was like, look, we got to make a decision within the next five minutes because they'll pass this offer to someone else. And my brother, my dad, a couple of my boys were there. We were, like, Googling the rosters of all the teams, seeing who had the least amount of wide receivers, seeing who needed wide receivers, where was my best opportunity. And we just decided to go with New Orleans. New Orleans offered me a contract, and I signed with New Orleans Saints. Five minutes after the draft, and I was an undrafted free agent for the Saints. And uh, that's kind of how my NFL journey started, just like that.
0: I, I remember I remember draft day, third third day. You know, we was all sitting in the group chat all, all mad. You know, we was all like, well, we just got this mad. Call, So we're going to go here, we're going to go there. And then the draft ended, and all of us were like, damn, bro. Because like, the same thing, it was me, you, Demir, and Melvin. Mel, yep. Yeah, we was yep. all sitting in the group it was- chat It it's like, dang, bro, like we really didn't get drafted.
1: That was tough, yo. And I remember so you went you signed with Jacksonville, correct? Yep. You signed Jacksonville. Demir ended up going to the Panthers, Carolina. Uh I remember Evan Evan got drafted. He did get drafted in the sixth round. Yeah. And and Mel, I don't think Mel had anything for a couple of days, but he ended up getting an a invite to, I want to say, was it the Vikings? Yeah, he went to Minnesota Vikings for a rookie. rookie yep. Yeah. and it was just like, we were all devastated. But like I said, it happened so quick. Like, our opportunities came just like that. So we all just had a, you know, we congratulated each other and was like, all right, fellas, let's go to work. Put that work yeah. in. For sure. So when, but, you uh, to, when you got to the Saints, well, what what happened next? So, you know, I got to the Saints, and it was just, I was just wide-eyed, bro. Like, it was just, like I said, I played D1AA, and we didn't have too many draft picks. I think we had three people get drafted ever from (laughs) from UNH, you know what I mean? So, being with the Saints, it was just like a a complete culture shock. Like, my first day there, you know what I mean, like, I, I saw Drew Brees. He's like, yeah, I'm Drew. And I'm like, I know who you are. He's like, yo, you want to stay here and just catch these passes for me? And I was like, yes, sir. And he looked at me like, like sir. And I was so starstruck. I called him, sir. He's like, bro, I'm your teammate. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you're right. My bad, my bad. But I was so starstruck. But, um, you know, I went there and I did rookie minicamp. And, and and rookie minicamp, actually, I, actually I, I balled out. Like, I kind of made my a name for myself right away. And mind you, it was just with the rookies. So, you know, and then uh, after three days of rookie mini camp, uh, I was doing my thing, I was balling, and then we moved on to OTAs. And the OTAs, I would kind of – I wouldn't say I fell off, but the opportunities just weren't there as much because, you know, the vets come in, the vets are taking yep. all the reps. But I was still making enough plays, enough splash plays that, you know, the front office, Coach Payton, the guys like that, they were taking notice. and. You know, I felt good. I just kept my head down and just kept trying to make plays whenever they would come. And uh, we got to the preseason games, and everything just went out the door. I just, you know, it was my first time playing. It wasn't my first time. Not only my first time playing in a professional game, but it was my first time, and you know, playing in a professional arena. You know, like I never went to, like I I live close to the Ravens Stadium. I never been to a professional football game ever. So my first professional football game I ever attended. I was playing it. So I'm looking around in the preseason games. Eyes wide. Our first game that we actually played was against the Ravens and Baltimore. So you know what I mean? like, So you right not back at home. Boy, I'm right back at home, bro. I got 40 fans. I got 40 people from the crib there, bro. And I just, I played bad. I didn't have a good game. <laughs> it was just, it, I was like, dang. So all the stuff I did in camp, just out the door. And I, was, I just knew I was going to get released the next day, and um,
2: hey, I actually didn't
1: get released. What was, like, why do you think that happened?
2: Do you think it was just a too big of a, a moment for you, you weren't prepared for it, or what was going through your head when that,
1: that, that opportunity came? I wouldn't say I wasn't prepared, because I was prepared. Like, I was doing all the same stuff in training camp. It was just a matter of, like, like I said, I played at University of New Hampshire, so the most fans that I might have played in front of was 15, maybe, when we played against North Dakota State or Minnesota. That might have been. But, uh, you know, getting out there on that stage, that big stage, bright lights, you know, Sunday night football, at home, like just that stage kind of – it was kind of a shock to me. And I let the game get bigger than what it was. You know, it, it was all it was was a preseason game. But to me, it was like – I'm at home. I'm putting all this added pressure on myself that I didn't need to put on myself. So it was kinda on me. And it was kinda it showed in my play. I just wasn't out there making those same plays. And like I said, I thought I was going home, but I did enough did enough work in training camp that the coaches were like, All right, right, wanna give him another opportunity. And, and uh, you know, after the game I didn't I didn't do anything. I didn't have a catch or nothing. Second game came and this time we played at we were in New Orleans. We were at home. And I thought the Ravens stadium was big. I got to New Orleans, and it was packed in the dome. And I was like, oh, my God, this is even worse, bro, even worse. <laughs> so I go out there, and I once again, it's not the best game I've ever played, just put it like that. And uh, I eventually, after the game, I didn't do too well. The next day, I got the call. Uh, they called me, Coach Payton called me into his office. I had to bring my playbook, and they were like, look, We just didn't see everything that you put on film and training camp and practices that didn't correlate over to the games. But he was like, we saw from you in that training camp and in practice that we're going to give you an opportunity to stay around. We're going to keep you on practice squad. So they actually eventually ended up signing me to the practice squad. And that was my my first time. I wouldn't say I didn't make the 53-man roster, but I made the practice squad for the New Orleans Saints. So that was my first camp making a practice squad it was it was definitely a blessing. I was so excited how long about were you that. On squad sure. with them. So it was crazy. So I was on practice squad for literally a week. After the first week, I got released and they sent me home. So I was home for was home for 3 days. After those 3 days, they called me back. They're like, "RJ, we're bringing you back. Pack your bags, and are coming back." So I come back and I'm back in New Orleans for another I'm back in New Orleans for another month maybe and after a month they released me again. They sent me at home for another four days. I was home for four days. And then they called me. They were like, pack your bags, you're coming back. So this time I went back and I was on practice squad again for another this time I was there for a good minute. I was there for about I was there for about two months, two and a half months this time. And same thing happened. They released me. And this time after they released me, my agent was like, all right, like uh they keep doing this with you. Let's try another opportunity. So I went and worked out for the Atlanta Falcons. And after I worked out for the Falcons, the Falcons liked me. So the Falcons ended up signing me to their practice squad. So I spent the last two months of that, of my rookie season, on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad. So my first year in the NFL kind of bounced around. You know, I was home. I was with the Saints. I was home. I was with the Saints. Then I ended up finishing in Atlanta.
2: How would you that went. How'd you deal with that? People being like, "Hey, you're gone. Oh, we want you back." Um, like that—that that feeling of rejection and just being cut like that. Know what I mean, how'd you? Is it just part of the
1: business? I'm, i mean? Yes, it was part of the business. And back then, you know, I did My daughter wasn't born yet, so it was, it was easier. You know, I was—I was, was only worried about myself. You know what I mean? So I was—I was making enough money that I could—that I could deal with that, and you know what I mean. I could survive on my own. I didn't have to worry about another mouth to feed you know it was just me so I didn't mind it you know I mean it sucked but like I said I was still getting something out of it I was still collecting paychecks out of it so it was it was worth it and I was still getting an opportunity to live my dream I don't think I think if anybody got a phone call at any time from a professional team to come play in a practice squad they're dropping everything and taking the opportunity so that's just where I was with it Taking every opportunity as they ex- can.
0: Explain to a lot of listeners how many people are on practice squad and how much you actually make every week
1: on practice squad. So practice squad, so in the NFL, there's a 53-man roster. Those are the guys who are active that play on game day. And then if you're not on the 53, they have 10 players that are on practice squad. And those practice squad players are like the next guys up. Like if someone gets hurt, if there's ever an issue, those one of those ten guys can get called up to the active roster. So uh we don't make active roster money, but when I was when I was down there I believe we were getting like sixty four hundred a week, I believe, something like that. Sixty four hundred a week. That's how how much our checks were. So it was definitely being out of college, it was definitely good money, you know, for a first job out of college. So I enjoyed it for sure.
2: Cool. So what happened now? So uh Falcons, you're under your rookie season then what?
1: Um uh, so I actually ended up signing what they call a futures contract. So it's before the draft. It's uh, like a contract to come back to a team and do the whole offseason program with the team. So I signed a contract called a futures back with the New Orleans Saints because I felt comfortable. Like I knew the playbook. I knew everything there. So I knew the people. So I ended up signing the futures contract with the Saints. And I went through the whole preseason, everything again, same thing that happened my rookie year. I did I did well in OTAs. I made a name for myself in OTAs. Uh training camp. I did well again. And it came down to me and one other guy and uh for the final cut. And I ended up going with the other guy this time and he made the active roster. And that was kinda that kinda spilled the end of it for me for the my NFL with the NFL. I had a couple workouts with some teams. I worked out for the Browns. I worked out for the Raiders. I worked out for the Jets. I worked out for. I worked out for a couple of NFL teams, but uh, just the opportunities like to get signed never came again. So I was kind of home for. I was home for the rest of that season. Matter of fact, my whole second year. Yeah, and what? I was home. What? What was going through your mind? Did you think football was over? I did, man. I did. It was so hard at that point. You know, just having all these workouts, not getting signed. And I know that I know the workouts weren't going to keep coming, you know, like at some point they were going to kind of dry out. So my agent was like, all right, you know, let's, let's kind of explore our, our options up North. And he told me about the CFL. I looked into the CFL and there was a couple of teams in the CFL who were interested in me. But before I like completely gave up on my NFL dream, I was like, all right, let me, before we do the CFL, let me hold on just a little bit longer and see if we can squeeze something out with the, with the NFL team. And, uh, Nothing actually ended up happen, happening, so that's when, towards the end of the NFL season, I went ahead and signed up north with, uh, actually signed first with the Toronto Argonauts. And I said, all right, let's, let's venture up north and see how this goes. So,
2: uh, How was the NFL experience, though? If you could wrap it up, what you all learned from it, what you all got from it, you know, for our listeners, I mean, you know, not many people get to that level.
1: Uh, I mean, I learned a lot, you know, so like, like I said, my first opportunity was with the Saints, so I'm, I'm in meetings and everything every day with Drew Brees, you know, what I mean, like one of the best, if not the best quarterback, you know, of all time, so just to sit back and learn and watch, watch him every single day, and then after leaving the Saints, I said I went to the Falcons, so I go from Drew Brees to Julio Jones, arguably the best wide receiver in football. You know what I mean? I'm in meetings every single day. My locker was right next to Julio's. And it's like, you know, that's just two great opportunities to be a sponge and soak so much knowledge and information. and just the way they go about being a pro every day. I got to see that every single day in my rookie year. So it was a great opportunity, a tremendous experience. And I just took a lot of what they did and how I saw them work every day just incorporated into my own game, so I'm still appreciative of, of that to this day. What about outside of football, though? The experience of life and and going through all that. Oh man, it was you know it was it was humbling. Like like I said, it's it's humbling being like you coming out of high school, you're the man. You get to college, you know you do your redshirt year, and then all of a sudden you're the man again. You're back on top, and then you get to the NFL, and you're you're at the bottom of the barrel you're not you're not the man you're one of you're one of the many guys that's all you are one of one of many so that was a humbling experience but it taught you to never lose your edge and that you gotta show up to work every day hungry because if not, there's someone else who's out there who would die to be in your position, like I said, practice squad might not be active. But there's thousands of guys out there fighting and clawing just for an opportunity to be on practice squad. So it was definitely a humbling experience and taught you to never take anything for granted because you never know, like as quick as it comes, it could be taken away just as fast. Right. When
0: you were sitting when you're sitting in that window between waiting on the NFL and thinking about CFL, did you did you have any other backups? Was it like like what do I do next?
1: I uh, yeah. I started thinking like what's my career path? Like, you know, I, I had to you know, like you you can't sit and hope for opportunities for too long. At some point, you know, your money's gonna start to dry out and you're gonna have to find a way to make more money. So that's uh I started thinking like what do I wanna do? What field do I wanna get in? But every time I started thinking about it and started maybe getting serious, you know, I would be blessed and lucky enough to get opportunities. So it's it's fortunate it's, for that. It was really
0: slowing down your career but also making your other career continue to go.
1: Right. You see what I'm saying? It's crazy how that balances and works out, huh? Right.
0: Let's talk about the CFL.
1: Cause not many people uh, know much about the CFL. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah so CFL is a, it's a much smaller league than the NFL is. Uh, we only have nine teams up here in the CFL. We have four on the East coast, five on the West coast. And uh, it's kind of a different game. You know, there's a couple rule changes that are different from the NFL, but uh, Once you get past those rule changes, like, you got to understand, it's still football. And it is definitely, the CFL is almost just as humbling, if not more humbling than the NFL. Like, a lot of guys, they hear the CFL, they think, all right, I'm going to come up to the CFL, I'm going to play for a year, I'm going to get some good film, and I'm going to go back to the NFL. And I have that same mindset. I'm coming up here, I'm going to play a season, I'm going to kill it for a season, and then I'm back to the NFL. And... That is not the case, ever. It is humbling. Once you come up here, you think you're going to do that. And before you know it, you're getting cut. You're getting bounced around. You're on practice squad in the CFL. And that was my experience. I started off with Toronto. I got released. I'm like, oh, man, like this really might be it for football. And after I got released from Toronto, I'm with the BC Lions. So I did training camp in BC. I had a good preseason. I scored in the preseason. I led the rookie receivers. And I got released. I'm like, goodness, great, it's really hard to crack the team up here." So then I signed to Winnipeg, and I was on Winnipeg's practice roster, and I couldn't even crack the active roster there, and I got released. And then after that, I got signed to the Ottawa Red Blacks, which I was where I'm at now. And mind you, all of that all of those releases happened my first year in the CFL. Wow. So then I signed with the Ottawa Red Blacks, and I was on their practice squad for I was signed, on, signed for that practice squad for half the season. And uh, I did practice squad up there for half the season. And then my that's when my daughter, my my girlfriend was pregnant at the time. And uh, my daughter was born in September. So I spent the first half of the season, like I said, on practice squad. I went home to see the birth of my daughter. I was home for a week. And as I was trying to come back, I was flying back. And my one of my receiving coaches at the time, he kind of called and let me know, like, Come back, get your mindset. We had an injury while you were away. We're going to activate you when you get back. So I'm like, all right, finally, you know, here's my opportunity to get activated. I fly back to Ottawa and I can't even get into the country. You know, at the border there was an issue with my passport, and I, they were like, look, we're not letting you in. Like, you got to go back home. So I flew up and I was like devastated. I'm like, you know, I've been cut. You know that? You know, I, sh- I showed my stuff and I was cut. Now and I finally get an opportunity to play in the game. And now my passport. I'm having issues with my passport, so I missed the entire second half of the season, my my rookie year in the CFL, because of a passport issue. So that that was that. I was I was hurt. I was hurt. I was back home for the second part of the se- second part of the season. Back home, just you know, I got to be home with my family. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I got to spend the early part of my daughter's life with her at home every day. But it was just like you know. That was my job. Football was my job. So I was at home jobless for the time, not, you know, I was struggling. I was going through it. So it was kind of rough my first year in the CFL.
2: Hey, it sounds like your whole story is filled with adversity and bounce back and getting cut. And, I mean, how have you put your head down and kept working? I mean, how has your ego been affected? And that's tough. Like, how did you get through all this?
1: Like I said, so at first it started off with me trying to prove everybody else. You know, wrong people saying I can't do it, like you can't do it. I just wanted to make a team just to prove all the doubters wrong, but then it started getting to the point where I was like, you know what, forget everybody else, you know what I mean? Like, I know I could play professional, I know I could play professionally. So, it started to getting to a point where I was proving myself right. Like, I had to have a confidence in myself, like, all right, you can do this. I like, I knew, I knew deep down I could do it. It was just I had to just get into that mindset, put blinders on, like, all right, it's time to go to work and do this. And, you know, having my daughter, it sparked that fire underneath me, too, because when I came back, my after all that happened with my passport, I came back the following season and I just had, you know, I, I just felt like I was in a different zone. Like, like I'm not going to say the game was easy, but things were slowing down in training camp and I was just out there just making plays after play after play. And I just kind of put, I kind of forced the, you know, the front office's hand. Like it was to a point where like, oh man, like RJ had a great camp. Like we can't send him home this time. You know, we can't. So that's when I got my opportunity to play finally in a game, a meaningful game. I was on the active roster and, uh, you know, it started off, it started off kind of slow early part of the season. I, uh, you know, I had my first professional catch in the game. I was ex- I was ecstatic. It was against the Montreal Alouettes. Um, then my next game, I don't think I had any catches. My third game, I think I had one catch. And then finally, the fourth game, I kind of had a breakthrough. You know, I made a couple plays, and I got the ball, and I made a couple people miss. And, and you know, the coaches took notice of that, and they were like, okay, like, let's give him another opportunity next week. So the following week, you know, I had ended up having, like, I forgot, six catches for, like, almost 80 yards. And they were like, okay, like, let's give them more opportunity. And they started to, you know, loosen the leash a little bit on me. And then before I know it, you know, I was a, I was a regular starter, you know, and I was kind of, you know, growing into my own, into the offense. And uh, I was able to finish my first full active season with, you know, I think I had almost 60 catches for, like, 850 yards. And that was last season. And we ended up going to the, to the great cup. And the Great Cup is the equivalent, it's the Canadian Super Bowl pretty much. And we led our team, we, you know, we made it all the way to the Great Cup. We ended up falling short. Uh, we didn't win a Great Cup last year, but, you know, just for that to be my first season and make it all the way to the Great Cup and kind of, you know, establish myself in, in the offense, you know, kind of make my, a name for myself, you know, I just give credit to all the adversity that I went through and then, you know, to the birth of my daughter, just doing that all for her. So it worked out for me.
0: Right, because you talk about, we talked about the balance, right, um, between going from work and everything. you think that the game started to slow down because other parts of your life started to pick up? Because, you know, you, you just get your daughter, right? So that part of your life now goes crazy. Now you got another mouth to feed and stuff. So now do you think, yep. well, all right, well, I know this game. I'm good at yep. it. Let me just have
1: fun and play. Do you think that's what it really snapped into you? I- I, for a thousand percent, a thousand percent, like I said, earlier when I was getting cut and I was doing all that for by, for myself, you know, I was living a fast, like, living out of bags, you know, on the move, you know, worried about myself, but like I said, now that I had this mouth to feed, like, that fast, life. I had to slow it down, I had to bring everything in perspective, like, I can't live like this anymore, I have to, you know, gear in, fo- gear down, focus in, and, you know, that just, it just sparked a fire in me where I was like, all right. I have to do this now, you know what I mean? Like, I know, like, I know I could do it. I know I could be confident, like, be confident in myself and just go out there and perform and execute. And, you know, God willing, I was able to, you know, I was blessed, I was able to stay healthy and all of that. So it just, it just worked out perfect for me. Awesome. How's this season going? Are you in season right now? Yeah, I'm in season right now. We're actually on our bye week. So we have, uh, we started out 2-0 and this year. Um, and season's going well. You know, I, I, you know, just like I said at UNH, every year I, you come back with higher expectations, you know. And, uh, you know, I set a standard for myself and for our team. And, you know, there's outside noise people setting standards for, for me individually. But I kind of just – I don't look into that. I'm just trying to, you know, just play my role, be a leader. Like I said, the same way I was at UNH, and just kind of help lead our team and our guys. And right now we're off to a good start with 2-0. and um, You know, I've had a couple – Played two games. I had uh, I got eleven catches so far, like hundred and forty yards. I scored a touchdown last year. You had that tug, I see. Got a, highlight. got in the zone. Got in the zone. So, you know, it's just a blessing, man. And just I'm just thankful for the opportunity every day. Now so, how, how what year is this now? For me in the yeah. C F L? Three. Three no, no, not,
0: not C F L but professional now.
1: Professionally, man. Year five. We,
0: If we if we date back to what when we go in
1: 2015, we went we went in 2015. Yeah, right. No, we went in 2000. We went in 2000. No, no, no. This is year five for me. We went in 2014,
0: huh? No, 2015, bro.
1: 2015. Yeah. 2015, 2016, 2017. So this is year four. No, 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 no. I've done five. This is my fifth year because I've done five professional camps. I yep. did my first year with the Saints. I did yeah. my second year with the Saints. And then I did, you know, that season where I said I had to go home
0: mm-hmm. for half a
1: season with the, that's year three. Last year was year four. So this is my fifth year, bro. Yeah, five professional seasons, bro. How is that life, like sustainability? Now you have a family
2: too. You know, the money, you got to move in place to place. I mean, is it, how many more years think you can do it? I mean, are you in a good spot now?
1: Yeah, I'm in a much better spot now uh than i was like i said i was living a fast life but being established like i said i've been in ottawa for this is my third year now here in ottawa so you know i kind of established myself i've been here for i've had two full seasons here well a full season and a half because of that first year what happened and now this year you know just still just trying to be smart manage my money and just being make sure i could take care of my family that's my biggest goal
2: yeah, I mean, because not many people know like what kind of money are they talking about in the CFL, and is it just like
1: sustainable for your life? You can save up and then. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, obviously, I don't think anything is like American sports as far as money-wise and how much you make. But you still make. Uh, we we make a decent. We make a good living over here. You know, I'm able to provide for my family, and I'm comfortable, and I'm happy with that.
2: Good. Good. How how much longer do you, think you can uh, I mean you know, play professional ball? Are you going to go into coaching after, or what's kind of the future
1: looking like? Um, my goal, you know, God willing, I would love to play this game. I, I just ride the wave as long as I can. You know, there's guys up here in the CFL who are still like playing receiver at 33, 34, and I just pray that that could be me. You know, I would love love the opportunity to play that long and be able to provide for my family. But uh, post post football. I kind of want to I think I'm gonna want to take a break, you know, just uh get away from it for a little while. I'm not get canceling coaching completely out of the picture, but for the first few years I kind of just want to, you know, take it easy. Um uh, I'm a big guy. I'm a big gym guy, kind of like Des. So maybe open up a small business back in my hometown to just, you know, help train, you know, kids, uh older kids, high school kids trying to transition to college, you know, parents. This like a small local family-owned business just trying to help give back to in my community that's kind of my goal and what i want to do so the game will never get away from you totally you think no nah, it'll never get away from me you know i love the game the game is what gives me an opportunity to you know provide for my daughter and my family so i can never get away from the game you know i'm thankful for the game every day i put in work for this every day since i've been a kid so the game will never be completely out of my out of my life ever
2: awesome man you got you got a good story
0: it's
1: great hey. Hey RJ, I know, I know you, <laughs> I know you, you, you got a little bit
0: of another story, which we're not gonna put out there right now because I know you want to write a book about it. Um
1: yeah. what's gonna be the title <laughs> of that book? Man, I don't know, bro. I gotta get with a publisher coming in there to figure out what I want to do. But uh, I hey, think, man, I can't. I definitely I can't wait think. You, I definitely think uh, say again.
0: I can't wait till you actually actually put that out there, you know? Because I mean, we lived together. You know, we were together for yeah. like living together three, four months. So I know I know the background and all the struggles that you went through and everything like that. So when you do release it, let us know so we can put it all on the podcast.
1: No doubt, bro. I appreciate that, bro. I appreciate y'all having me on. Y'all give me this opportunity to, just to share my story and everything. What's, what's your daughter's name? Milani. Milani J. Harris. Uh, and we call her MJ, RJ, Milani, And my real name is Ronnie. So they kind of go hand-to-hand, Melani and Ronnie, RJ, MJ. That's my little angel right there, bro. What's is what's it? it been like? Oh, man. Dad mode is... Dad life is great, bro. It is great. It's so it's so much fun. Like, just every day is like... You know, I didn't have daughter. I didn't, I didn't have any sisters growing up. And it was only my mother, you know, in the house. Well, my mother was the only woman in the house, I should say. You know, I live with both parents and my brother. My mom, like I said, she was the only female in the house. So, raising a daughter... You know, it's, some, it's new to me every day. You know, every day is something new. I'm learning about, you know, how to raise a, a young girl in, uh, you know, I, well, I can't say in the U.S., a young, young girl in Canada. But still, it's just awesome learning. It's a learning experience every day. It's so fun. And just, like, seeing, seeing my tendencies in her is the craziest thing. Like, when you, see, when you see your child do something that you do and they have no idea, like when my daughter sleeps the way she sleeps is literally identical to me and it's like it just blows my mind watching her cuz I'm like yo that is me in a little kid form and it's just it's so cool bro you got you guys got plans for another one on the way man yeah yes you know like it's the hardest thing to do i think is going from you know a little kid and then when they're in diaper diaper mode and diaper is still at that age to transition it out of diapers to having to restart. Like I'd rather just do it all back to back while they're still in that diaper phase or so never <laughs> have to get out of it. Cause once you get out of diaper phase, bro, it's, it's, it's hard to go back. <laughs> I can tell you that it's going to be hard. So we are going to go ahead and bank them out now while, while she's still young.
2: Hey man, plus,
1: RJ, RJ, your plus. journey's
2: been awesome. Your story's great. Do you have like uh some like life lessons or some, some words to kind of tell our listeners, um, you know, the
1: motivator. Man, like, uh, honestly, I would just say for me, it took me a couple years to realize this, but just ignore the outside noise. Because once I started ignoring the outside noise, like I said, and I started doing stuff for me and for more internal goals, like rather than trying to prove everybody else wrong, and started to do things for myself, proving myself right, you know, doing things for my family, for my daughter. Once it became internal for me as 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 a, opposed to external, that's when I started to notice the success. So just you know just just cancel out all the white noise out of outside noise. none of that none of that matters. You know why you do things, you know your goal, you know you know you know what makes you hungry. You know, starving distractions need your focus. That's it. Awesome. What yeah. are some
0: what are some uh, major books and stuff you've been reading lately? You read? You read?
1: Yeah, bro. I got a couple books in here right now. I haven't been... Bro, besides your playbook. I haven't been reading... <laughs> besides the playbook. So the book I'm reading right now is called... Here, I'm going to show you. It's called Things Fall Apart. I have... Oh, I don't know how to flip my camera. Don't worry about it. It's, it's audio only. It's, yeah, well, it's called... Uh, oh, it's audio only. It's called Things Fall Apart, bro. It's it's uh by Chinua Akebe. I, I don't know. It's a... Uh, it's kind of a good motivating book and it's it's honestly like feeds into what i've been talking about honestly like just kind of not trying to live up to someone else's life and live your own life it's about a, a man trying to get out of his father's shadows and live his own life and that's that's the book i'm reading right now but yeah i, I love reading bro that's my that's my thing when we talk about uh the next series on the podcast I'll go into more about that in the books I've read. <laughs> this
0: Word. Man, I'm going to let you get back to your daughter. I appreciate you doing this for us. I know it's, it's late at night for us, but kind of in the midday. Hey, good luck the rest of the season, my brother.
1: Yeah, I, I, appreci- I appreciate that, bro. Good talking to y'all. Great yep, job. Man. All right, bro. Peace.